First up, though, we are going to be talking, of course, about COVID-19. Hip Hop Public Health is a nonprofit that was founded in 2006 with the mission of helping increase knowledge of healthy living through the transformative power of hip hop. Since the coronavirus pandemic began, organizations have stepped up to empower people on ways they can keep themselves and loved ones safe from the virus. Music legends like Dougie Fresh and Daryl DMC McDaniels have joined the campaign. Founder Dr. Olajaje Williams' passion for music and public service is obvious, and I got to speak with him about what hip-hop public health is doing right now. Well, I think what's at the um, at the root is, is culturally tailored um, communication, uh, really directed primarily at at um, communities of color, uh, but um, we built the video in a way that would appeal, will have a, a wider appeal. Um, it is an R&B song. It does have a hip hop, um, a hip hop hook in there. Um, so it's primarily targeting, you know, the worst hit communities, but it does have wider appeal. And, and we specifically tailored the video, designed the video uh, to have a much a much broader appeal, um, but I, I think the 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 whole the whole purpose of, of hip hop public health is to really leverage the power um, of music, um, you know, for behavior change, for knowledge acquisition. Uh, there's inc- there's very very com- strong evidence, uh, really uh, sh- highlighting the the effects of, of, of music on cognition, uh, on memory, on learning, um, on, on mood. Um, you know, music has really quite profound uh, influence uh, neurologically. And, and um, I've always believed that we're not leveraging the assets of music sufficiently within public health. Uh, music also has great cultural appeal, the ability to facilitate emotional connectedness, uh, the ability to kind of soften resistance to messages uh, by getting using music that identifies with individuals. Um, it just has myriad, myriad uh, properties that are just not being leveraged appropriately. You know, just think about how you learned your ABCs. You learn it through songs. Think of all the moral lessons we teach through nursery rhymes. It just has infinite possibilities. So what hip hop public health does is it really leverages this um, this power of music uh, to be both educational and in- and inspirational um, to really address knowledge gaps within communities of color. Um, particularly actionable knowledge gaps that can that really are necessary for behavior change. And you know, across multiple health conditions, you know, knowledge gaps are at epidemic proportions within certain communities. Uh, but the there was never a greater urgency to plug a knowledge back gap within a vulnerable community than, than with COVID-19. Uh, and so we basically, you know, took our model. We've been we've been basically doing this now for for since 2006, um, working with other conditions, be it um, healthy eating, uh, you know, stroke, nutrition behaviors, physical activity behaviors. Um, you know, we took our model and we decided to apply it to COVID-19 behaviors, 
we started with hand washing uh, and then we we went on to mask wearing we 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 have been conducting research on our methodology for quite some time we've published the effect of our work on behavior change within domains like nutrition we've shown that our approach increases food purchasing behaviors among youth in communities of color we've showed that our approach uh, improves stroke related behaviors within uh, communities of color uh, so we've shown and we've shown definite knowledge acquisition across multiple different uh, you know conditions and disease domains so we've shown proof of efficacy proof of effectiveness actually and so we took that model that evidence-based approach that we pioneered and we applied it to COVID-19 related behaviors specifically wearing a mask and um, and washing your hands and um, so you know we've been you know, we've been very excited by the response uh, to our videos. We know, for example, that that there are many different school systems that, that are using our video. One particular school teacher, you know, sent us a lovely thank you note saying that she plays the behind the, the mask video before every class that she teaches in her school since she reopened. Uh, and so we know that it, it has broad appeal and we know that it's been actively used uh, in communities, um, whether it's within public schools um, or other, but um, and we are, you know, we 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 only have data from you know the the, the streams and the and the reach of our of our of our you know of our tool of this particular resource, and we don't we don't have direct evidence of of behavior change, but we do know that from the work that we've done before, that this certainly does have the ability to move people who are perhaps in the pre-contemplation phase to an action phase when it comes to making a behavior change. With this third surge that we're seeing across the country of, of COVID-19, Detroit was hit particularly hard at the beginning of this. So this virus poses a huge threat to communities of color across the U.S. Could you break down some of the factors that, that make these communities more vulnerable to COVID? Sure. It all goes back to social determinants of health. And there are historical disparities uh, when it comes to social determinants of health. So social determinants of health really are, you know, the impact on your health uh, about where you live, where you work, where you play, and where you worship. You know, all of those determinants of health um, all of those, you know, domains have significant effects on your health. Um, and there are five broad determinants, social determinants of health. The first is economic stability. And obviously, the more economically unstable you are, the worse your health. Um, second is the social context. You know, this is, you know, issues, um, issues around your neighborhood, um, around your social class. The third is is the environment, um, and you know what is the what are the conditions in your environment? The availability of parks, the avail availability of healthy foods. The fourth is your education. What are the schools uh, like? Do you have you know high achieving schools or poorly funded, uh, failing schools? And the and the fifth is healthcare. You know, do you have access to healthcare? And if you do have access to healthcare. Uh, do you have access to affordable health care? Do you have access to high quality health care? All of these different domains are what we call social determinants of health. 
And, and there are significant disparities between one group of society and another group in society uh, with, uh, you know, around each of these. You know, one group might have much more access to healthcare, uh, much more access to high quality healthcare than another. Another might have, you know, better school districts, better school systems in their community. Another might have healthy food options, uh, parks and safe streets in their community. Another might have very low unemployment rates in their community. So all of these factors have direct impact on our health. They cause what we call chronic socially structured stresses. And the effects of these chronic social effects, uh, if um, chronic socially structured uh, stresses are behavioral and physiological. Behavioral in that they might, your default might be uh, you know, eating, you know, unhealthy food items because that's what you can afford. Uh, your default might be smoking because of, you know, because it relieves stress and you perceive it does. You know, your default might be, you know, uh, just a very, a lot of, you know, anxiety because of the, you know, the, un the, the unsafe environment around you. So these social determinants really impact our health. And, and the reason why that there are differences in these social determinants really go back to stem back to the the era of really you can trace this all back to slavery to be quite frank but more recent history really you can trace them back to the jim crow era with with segregation with redlining all of these uh with the racial bias and the justice justice system all of these really serve to concentrate poverty and concentrate the poverty of your determ social determinants of health uh, and then you see the poor housing, the poorly funded school, the poor access to capital, the poor access to healthcare. And what does that do? Well, one, it increases toxic stress. Uh, and that chronic toxic stress has very profound physiological impacts on our blood pressure, uh, for example, um, you know, on our level of inflammation in our bodies. And two, it, it causes these behavior, health risk behaviors. Like, you know, you might overeat, you might under exercise, you might smoke, and all of these increase your risk for disease, period. So we've known about this for a long time. And so how does this translate into COVID disparities? Well, these are the same disparities that increase your risk for asthma, increase your risk for diabetes, increase your risk for obesity. And we know that once you have COVID and you have one of these comorbidities, these diseases, you're at more risk for death quite frankly, than individuals who don't have. So that's number one. Number two is employment opportunities. A, a lot of people living within these, the communities that I've described with the high burden of poor social determinants of health tend to be either high unemployment rates or, or, or they're employed in essential services. You know, these are your bus drivers. These are your grocery workers. These are your, clean, your cleaners. And these essential surface services, as we know, were the ones that were, you know, working during the pandemic. Three is another social determinant is the housing situation. So if you have poor housing, this historical legacy of, of just being marginalized and having poor housing and poor environments, well, poor housing could mean, you know, multiple people living in your own house because you can't, because of you can't afford uh, to, to live in a big house, so you're cramped up in the housing projects. Uh, how do you socially distance when you're in a, in, a, in, a, in a cramped home? 
how do you you know you can't go to the basement and and and, and quarantine you can't go to a spare room and isolate you know you're stuck with everyone else your entire family so it spreads like wildfire through your home and probably through your housing projects and so there are there are many many reasons uh that related to these social determinants uh, that really have, have just exponentially increased the likelihood of someone from these these communities not only catching COVID, um, as I described, be, you know, essential workers, un, inability socially distanced, but also when they catch COVID because of all their comorbidities, again related to these issues of structural racism, they are more likely to die from COVID. Dr. Williams, as a physician on the ground here with this pandemic. I know it's hard to, you know, talk about the future per se, but what do you feel is going to happen from this? What can people expect over the next few months and and what should they be doing besides wearing a mask? Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I was I was on the ground here in New York City during the first wave and it, it kind of took took us by storm. It was really quite terrifying as a physician, let alone as 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 a patient who is who is being admitted to my service. Um, the reality is that um, the government has failed us, um, failed us woefully. Um, I think that there have been uh, a catalog, almost a comedy of missteps since the beginning of the pandemic that has put us in the situation that we're in today. Um, and the question is, how do we how do we salvage this situation? How do we, you know, how do we save ourselves because certainly you know with the with the government that we have you know we we certainly can't look to them uh, to help navigate us through this uh, this current situation that they actually accelerated and worsened uh, actively through their poor decision making and so what can we do well i think one of the most important things that we can do and i don't I, and i know this sounds like a broken record but it's wearing a mask it's so important to wear a mask. You know, this, you know, COVID is an airborne infection. It's spread by these small aerosols, by these droplets that you breathe out or you sneeze out um, or you talk out. And, and these get into the air. They can, they can hang in the air for hours. Uh, they can certainly um, travel uh, distances. Uh, they can certainly travel. They can travel up to three feet in some cases, even more. And so, wearing a mask kind of stops those projectile droplets and aerosols from just being dispersed uh, into rooms. Um, and so, so wearing a mask is clinically important. The second thing is, you know, we have to try to ventilate as as much as possible uh, because. Being outdoor or ventilating your indoor system, indoor is really important. What does that mean? It means making sure you circulate the indoor air probably about, you know, three times an hour, for example. Make sure you just recirculate that indoor air by opening your windows. And if you can afford uh, to, there are certain, you know, HEPA, HEPA, HEPA filters that you can use within ventilation systems. Uh, there are certain ventilation systems that you can use uh, to that that have virucidal activities, but really making sure that that air is recycled, uh, that fresh air is recycled on a regular basis, um, is very important. That's number two. Number three, you know, obviously, 
you know, making sure that you wash your hands for 20 seconds or more is critically important because we can do all of these things and an individual can, with contaminated hands from just covering his mouth and touching a high touch surface like a doorknob, for example, um, you know, another one, another person comes and touches that same doorknob, you know, so washing your and then touches his, his or her face is, you know, can be contract the, the, the virus. Uh, it's important to be very conscious about how, as much as you can, how much you touch your face. Try to minimize touching your face in combination with washing your hands as often as possible. Um, and, um, and so those are just some of the, and ob obviously the physical distancing. I mean, that is critically important. We shouldn't be gathering in crowds uh, and, and we certainly shouldn't be gathering in indoor crowds, but even outdoor crowds are dangerous. We wanna minimize gathering as much as, eliminate gathering if we can. And we also wanna mention that uh, when we do, when we are in the presence of, 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 of our immediate COVID bubble, it's important for us to make sure we physically distance that these basic things um, are, are critically important. You know, people are tired, people are exhausted, but you know, you know, I heard you know, Governor Cuomo say recently that the virus isn't tired, the virus isn't exhausted, the virus is still vibrant and full of energy. And so we have to try to sustain these behaviors if we're really gonna get through this second wave. That's a very serious thing we're talking about. But, you know, I want to wrap up the interview in a way that we have been doing on this show over the last few months with guests. Music is very important to you, obviously. It's one of your passions. Is there an artist or track or an album that has been helping you get through this time? You know, that's a really, really good question. You know, it's, it's interesting because um, my, my taste in music is really quite diverse. I listen to everything from... Um, you know, Mozart and Vivaldi through to Mob Deep and, and Jay-Z and, and everything in between. And um, and I, I really, it really all depends on, on what my mood is at that particular moment in time. You know, sometimes I actually, interestingly, listen to hip hop public health music. Mm. Um, um, and, um, you know, we've, we've written some beautiful songs. Uh, uh, you know, there's one particular song that we wrote with Ashanti uh, called Just Believe uh, that you can find on our website. It's about self-esteem um, that that I really love listening to. You know, I've also spent a lot of time just listening to listening to a lot of hip hop, uh, a lot of different artists. You know, just to to escape. When I'm really stressed out, I might just put on some reggae, some Bob Marley. Uh, you know, Don't Worry. Um, you know, the Three Little Birds song, and I just listen to that.